Hey everybody, good morning. Glad to see you here. Uh, like Lisa, we have a really special guest with us this weekend in Cincinnati. Uh, someone that's really impacted my life and my father's life tremendously. In fact, I just asked you guys to stand up with me as we welcome the Pittsburgh Steelers to Cincinnati this weekend. Thank you, yes. <laughs> What's up, man, you guys are jumping ships, standing to welcome the Steelers. Wow, I should have... Uh, this is being recorded, you know, like, no, but in all seriousness, I got you guys so good. <laughs> no, um, we really do have a special guest with this, this weekend, uh, Putty Putman. He is a humongous influence on my life. It's, it's really a rare thing to uh, know someone, to have a friend, to have an influence in your life that you completely align hearts with. And that, that really is a special rare thing, especially outside of your church. And um, so there, there's no doubt that we're family. And uh, yeah, Putty, come on up, man. We love you, and we're so glad that you're here this morning. Love you, man. Here we go. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. In 1776... Some of the most important words in our nation's history were penned. They read this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with a certain unalienable rights. Aren't I? There we go. Test. We back. All right. That was going to be so good. Let's try it again. Should we try it again? Let's try it again. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, and that they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and then among these are life and liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do we have a slide on that? You're supposed to have a slide on that. That's why I sent the message early. You know, can, can you like pull one up? I actually like really need it. And <sighs> grace, grace upon grace right now. How long is it going to take? I, I didn't send an email. I sent the email. Lee, are you serious? Okay, this isn't on me, all right? I don't know who needs, like, can you get the picture? Seriously, though, I really need it. Come on. Who's feeling a little tense right now? The whole thing was made up. That whole thing was made up, okay? I'm not, I'm not even talking about the Declaration of Independence. But that was modeled to illustrate this point. None of you were involved in that conflict. Well, Lee was a little bit. <laughs> but most of you probably began to feel uncomfortable, didn't you? Right? And I'm not even really good. I didn't even blow up. I can't even bring myself to do that. It's so not in my personality. I wanted to freak out, but I just can't, I can't do it. But conflict for us is so intensely emotional that just seeing it happen makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? Just watching it grabs us and grips us and shakes us and jars us. And we're like, oh, I don't like this. This isn't good. Oh, you know, people start encouraging me. You could do it, buddy. Like, it's okay. You know, like we, we get sucked into this thing with conflict, right? 
And you guys here, I've been doing a series on keep your love on, on the kingdom way to do relationships, right? And conflict is a super, super, super important part of doing relationship. And if we don't learn how to do conflict well, this is where it goes unkingdom really quickly. And so today, we're going to talk about kingdom conflict and communicating in conflict. Amen? All right, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are here, dear Lord, even over tech, (laughs) and that you, God, you give us a model of conflict and you empower us to walk that out. And Jesus, I thank you for that. God, I just ask that as we look at this today, um, God, that these would not just be my words. Jesus, the Jesus that's in me, I ask you to speak. Let this be your words. Let this be your truth. Let this be your power that empowers us to do this thing the kingdom way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but I kind of tend to not think of conflict as a particularly spiritual thing. You know, it's like, I'm like, the Bible is spiritual. You know, worship is spiritual. Praying for people is spiritual. But conflict, I mean, that's just kind of one of those things that you just kind of have to put up with, right? And you do the best you can, but I mean, conflict is just, it's just sort of is what it is. But believe it or not, conflict is really important to Jesus. He says something in Matthew 5 that um, really, honestly, if you think about it, is kind of surprising. At least it's surprising to me. Here's what he says. He's teaching in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, He says this, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's what he says. Now, you know, he's speaking, excuse me, to a a Jewish audience and, and they do church a little bit differently, but what he's saying essentially is this, if you're at church And in the middle of church, you remember, ah, that's right. I have this conflict that hasn't been worked out. Get up in the middle of the message and walk out in front of everybody and go navigate that thing and then come back to church. I don't know about you. That would not be the advice I would pick, right? I would say God comes first. You put God first. You give God his, but you, you, you listen, you worship, you give, you do church, and then you go navigate conflict. That would be what I would say. I think that's what many of us would say, right? But Jesus actually sees conflict as so important that he says, don't do that. Don't do that thing where you say God comes first. No, no, no. You go deal with that thing right away, and then you can come to God. That's actually what he says. I mean, that, that to me is kind of mind-boggling. It's that high of a priority to Jesus. And I think that that means that the way we do conflict is really important. It is. Now let me tell you something about myself. I don't like conflict. I don't. You know, it's kind of funny. The more you hear, I I, I kind of have this thing where I teach with confrontational truths, but I hate confrontation. Like some people love conflict, right? Anybody knows? They, They look for it right? They're just rearing to go to kind of like, you know, getting, getting some kind of a battle. My boss is like that, to be honest. It's a little challenging for me because I like to go to bed with like warm, fuzzy feelings about all the people who love me, you know, like that's me. And so, and so conflict is, is not my favorite thing. And, and about five years ago, uh, five and a half years ago, um, God redirected my life and I came on staff at our church as a pastor. And one of the things I discovered is that pastoring is rife with conflict. 
It is. Because do you call your pastor when your life is amazing? No. You call your pastor when you're in a conflict that you can't work out without their help. That's what I discovered. And I was in this weird situation where I was pastoring people who had been believers longer than I was alive, right? And and I'm getting pulled into these conflicts, and sometimes I'm actually having to create conflict. I oversaw, like, the ministry team, the the prayer thing, right, that um, you guys do at the end of your services. I, I was doing that at our church. And there'd be times when I would have to confront people on something that they had, like I said, they'd been praying longer than I was alive. And I had to say, you know, we don't really do it that way here, that was awkward for me. That was hard. I didn't like that. And, and so I tried just about everything there is to try when it comes to conflict. Because I, I don't like this. And I try to find easy ways to do it and ways to avoid it and whatever. And long story short, here's what I learned about conflict. Jesus' way of doing conflict really is best. <laughs> like he, shocker, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he does. He knows what he's talking about. And the way that he teaches us to do conflict will work best in our lives. It really will. And one of the first things that he teaches us, he teaches us here, and it's really important for us to hear is this. Don't delay, address it today. Don't wait. Don't say, oh, I'll get around to it, or this is more important, or whatever. Whatever that situation is, don't delay, address it today. You'll be glad you did once you do it. Now, I want to take a minute and I want to define the two terms we're talking about here. This message is titled Communicating in Conflict, right? And so I want to talk about connection because that's what communication is about. And I want to talk about conflict. Connection is in relationship when we begin to relate on a heart-to-heart level. You guys guys ever experienced this where you're relating to someone and it's not just like, oh, I'm talking about the weather or my to-do list or whatever, but something comes out where you really see the heart of the person and you're like, oh, this is who you are. And your heart begins to connect with their heart and the relationship like moves to another level. It's this thing of connection. It's a beautiful thing. And as humans, it's actually this really, really deep need that we have. There's few things that are more meaningful to us than experiencing that connection. I, I don't tend to think of it so much as a, as a need, right? I tend to think of needs as like, you know, food and clothing and things like that. But here's, here's what I've found. If I have a full heart and an empty stomach, it's much better than the other way around. I would rather have a full heart and an empty stomach where I, I, can, I feel at peace, I feel valued, I feel secure, and maybe I'm, I, I don't have everything I need in the physical. But if I have everything I need and I feel empty and I feel lonely, I feel alone and I feel insignificant, like I don't matter, that's a much worse place to be. Unfortunately, it's where a lot of America is. And so this connection need is a huge need for us. Now, conflict is this. Conflict is when two people in a relationship begin to head in two different directions. And conflict is so scary to us. It's so emotional to us. Because when two people start heading in two different directions, it threatens that connection need. It starts to say, that, that thing is, is going to go away. And so that's why we get, we get uncomfortable. We get afraid. But conflict, two people heading in two different directions, doesn't necessarily need to cut off connection. 
the way that we handle it determines whether it will or it won't. One of the things I want to tell you about conflict is this. Conflict isn't wrong. It's not, it's not a sin to be in conflict. It just means you're in relationship with another human being. Really. I mean, we as people, we're not all carbon copies of one another. We have different things that we value. We have different things that we see as important. We have different perspectives, right? And sometimes situations will come up where we'll land headed in two different directions, and that's okay. It's not wrong. It's not bad. Sometimes there, it can kind of be this like thing in Christianity where we feel like, well, it's not Christian to be in conflict. It's not, it's not Christian to have that, that tension. And so we feel like the Christian thing to do is to do whatever it takes to make that disappear as quickly as possible. And the funny thing is, I don't really see Jesus acting like that. Jesus didn't seem like he was like really concerned about keeping the tension level low. Right? Like the Pharisees come to him and how many times are they like accusing him, right? Trying to trap him and all of this stuff. And he always gives these answers that are sort of a slap in the face. Right? Do we give money to Caesar or God? Right? Do we, should we pay taxes? Should we? We'll give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. <laughs> Publicly. And everyone's like, oh, and the Pharisees, what are they feeling? Conflict is on. Right? If you look at the life of Jesus, he was not trying to do this thing where he was trying to run away from conflict. He wasn't. See, conflict is not fundamentally bad. And in fact, it doesn't even fundamentally mean that our relationship is going down the drain. It feels like that. I get it. That discomfort is real. But it does not spell disaster for our relationship. Let me tell you a story. This was um, a couple of years uh, after I came on staff. I was kind of figuring some of the pastoral stuff out. And I wind up in this bizarre conflict with one of our church members. He's a, he's a good guy. He's um, like a, a businessman, salesman, very uh, assertive, very confident, and um, very strong um, prophetically. And if you, you know much about prophetic people, um, because they hear from God, they think they're always right. Um, at least immature ones do. And, and, um, and I'm not saying that as a comment about his maturity. That's just sort of like that personality type kind of swings that way a little bit. Right? And because I'm a pastor, I think I'm always right. And so um, we, we wind up in this conflict, this weird conflict that, um, anyway, I won't get into the backstory. But we, we get together and we try and work it out. And every time we do that, it spirals out and it gets bigger. So we meet once and there's bigger tension. We meet again, there's bigger tension. We pull another pastor in to try and help. We meet, it's bigger tension. And, and this thing is getting to be a really big deal. I mean, to the point where this guy is going to our senior pastor and he's saying, no, I don't know if that putty guy is, got, is cut out to be a pastor. I don't think he has the maturity to do this. I'm freaking out. I'm like, this dude's gunning for my job. Like, what? This is real conflict, right? I mean, if there's ever, if there's ever a conflict that spells the doom of a relationship, we're getting pretty close to something like that, Right? Well, it comes down to this. We get to the point where it's just like, both of us are like, I don't even know what's happening here. This is, this is crazy. Like, I keep trying to resolve this, and you keep trying to resolve this, and every time we do that, it only gets worse. So we kind of land at this point. I'm sorry for whatever my side in this is. 
I don't even know what that is, but I'm really sorry. And I forgive you for whatever your side in this is. And I don't know what that is, but whatever that is, I'm sorry. I forgive you. Let's just not talk for a while. It's kind of, really, that's kind of where we get. And for about six months, it's that awkward thing in church where you're walking around and you see him and you're like, I'm going to go over here now. And, and it's kind of like tense thing, right? It's like that. And after maybe, I don't know, six months or so, I don't, I don't remember the exact timeline, he phones me up or, or emails me or something. He says, hey, can we get together for lunch? I said, sure, absolutely. So we get together for lunch. I was terrified, but we did it get together for lunch, and we look back at it, and we start talking about it, and we start working our way through it. And he says, wow, I didn't realize this was my side of it. And I say, man, I didn't realize this was my side of it. And we met, and at the end of it, things were in a lot better place. We met again, and things were in a lot better place after that. And you know what? Now, after walking through all of that, I trust him in a way that I don't trust most people. Because I've been in the worst place with him, and he didn't sell out. He didn't didn't say, well, forget this. I don't care about you, putty. He didn't write me off. He hung with it through the hardest and the most painful points. And now I look at him and I say, I may not understand him, but I can trust his heart. I know that. Our relationship is actually stronger for the conflict because we worked through it. Conflict does not spell doom in your relationship. It really doesn't. It's about do we do conflict well Or do we do conflict poorly? So how does conflicts go sour? Well, James tells us this in in James chapter 4. Once I can find it. It says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? That sounds like conflict going poorly, doesn't it? (laughs) Quarreling, fighting does to me says this, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So he's hinting that there's an inner problem that actually results in conflicts going awry. says this, you desire and you don't have, so you murder. Wow, that's conflict going really bad, right? (laughs) You covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, now look at this, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, that verse there doesn't necessarily feel like it fits with, okay, wait, he was talking about conflict and now he's saying this. What is he saying? Here's James's bottom line. He's saying this. Guys, conflict goes wrong when you're trying to get here what you should be getting there. When you're trying to get something from your relationships that in all honesty, you should be getting from God. See, many of us, and we all struggle in different ways in different capacities to get our needs and our identity from our relationships. Man, if, if in our relationship, I feel significant because you think I'm significant, I feel secure because I know that you're for me, I, I, I feel a sense of, of importance or a sense of being loved or a sense of if all of these things are coming from, from an earthly relationship, then what's going to happen when conflict goes in that relationship? It's no longer about the issue at stake. It's about my own personal identity. It's, 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 a, it's about who I am as a person. Now I no longer can, can believe in myself because you don't believe in me anymore. 
No wonder it freaks us out so badly. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can learn to get these things from God, through God. And when we do, that empowers a different way of doing conflict. A way of doing conflict that Jesus models to us. Now, let me give you guys like a, um, a visual illustration to depict this. Can I, can I get you guys come on up here? So we're going we're gonna to kind of do a physical picture to display this. And you guys can all see me in the back here. Yeah, I'm okay. All right, okay. So in, in, in our little like physical picture, Brad and I are, are in a relationship and we're going to get into a conflict, okay? And, and John is the conflict. Congratulations. He works in HR, so I thought that was fitting. <laughs> it's true. Um, and so here's how it works. Brad and I are in a relationship. And relationships exist largely through the exchanging of different messages, through communication, right? And so these are, these are the messages that we have, right? And so we're trading messages back and forth in our relationship as we walk through life, right? So Brad sends the message, hey, dude, love, love your outfit. You're so cool. I like hanging out. And I send the message, thanks, man. I mean, half my sense of style came from you in the first place, right? And, and, and we, we, he sends the message, hey, I really love this about you. That's really super cool, right? And I send the message back, hey, man, I really appreciate our friendship, man. You mean so much to me, right? These messages, trading back and forth, is what our relationship is like. That's the process of our relationship. Now, what happens if... In a conflict, I bump up into something that I'm getting from Brad, a need met from Brad. When we're walking through and we bump up into a conflict, let's say we bump into some conflict, he helps out with school kingdom ministry, and we get into some conflict over what should be in school kingdom ministry and what shouldn't be in school kingdom ministry. And, and if I'm in a situation where I'm getting a need met, where like I feel like Brad thinks that I'm a great leader and that makes me feel good. Then what happens is this conflict is going to divide our relationship and we're going to begin to to be set up on opposite sides of a conflict. And when we relate to each other, we're no longer actually relating to each other individually. We're actually relating back and forth through the conflict. And so, and so I'll send this message that's like, I really think that this is what we should do. And the conflict alters the message because we're communicating through it. And what he hears is this. Putty, Putty says he knows what he's talking about and Brad, you're an idiot. That's what he hears because the communication is, is altering this. And then he sends a message back that says, you know, um, this is really what I think is best here, Right. And the communicate and the conflict alters it. And the message I hear is like, Putty, you never listen to me. You think I'm an idiot. Right? And because we're communicating through the conflict, we're not actually even talking to each other. We're talking to the conflict. And our relationship has been defined about this issue now. This issue is our relationship. You see what's happening there? And all of that is happening because there's a breakdown in the need that I'm getting met here that I could be getting met from God instead. Now, if I'm able to if I'm able to learn to walk with Jesus in such a way where he's the one who gives me a sense of significance, then as we're walking through life and we bump up into this conflict, this situation, this disagreement, 
first of all, I'm not forced into this situation where we divide because it's like, it's okay. Even if we don't see eye to eye on this, my significance isn't on the line. My value isn't on the line. And what that does is that empowers us to take this approach instead. We, we bump into the conflict and then we, we do this. We step back together and we look at that thing as a separate thing than our relationship. And we, we say this, man, that thing over there, that kind of scares me and that could come between us, but I really don't want that to happen. Do you want that to happen? No. He doesn't want that to happen. And I say, here's here's what I think, and here's what I'm seeing in this situation. What are you seeing? And I say, here's what I need in this situation. What do you need in this situation? And we're communicating back and forth, but the conflict doesn't define our relationship. You see the difference? This is the kind of conflict that Jesus models. He never puts the relationship on the line based on the conflict. In fact, he works really hard to protect the relationship and to not ever let it get to this point. Does that make sense? This is, this is really, really, really important. And I really think if we get it, it'll change the way that we do our lives. Okay? Let me show you, let me show you Jesus doing this in relationship. You guys familiar with um, the story of, of Peter and how Peter betrayed Jesus? Okay? Peter was, was Jesus' kind of like head leader apostle guy. One of Jesus' inner three, right? It's one of Jesus' absolute best friends. And Jesus has poured his life into Peter for three years. Man, everything he's got, he's given to Peter. And at the Last Supper, Jesus is saying, hey, bum deal, guys. Uh, I'm going to die tomorrow. And that's going to be bad. And all of you guys are going to feel bad about it. And you're going to bail. And Peter stands up. I don't know if he stands up. I see him standing. I see him slamming something and standing up and yelling and saying, no, even if everyone else backs out on you, I will die with you, Jesus. That's what he says, right? Well, you know, Jesus is like, I'm sorry, dude. I know that's what you think. That's not how it's going down. And lo and behold, Jesus is right. And so, um, you know, during the whole process, Jesus gets yanked off. He's getting tried, all of this stuff. And Peter, you guys just know, denies Jesus three times. And it actually gives us, um, it says, I think it's in Luke. It might be in John. It says, it actually says that Peter, he's, he's out in the court. He's, he's surrounding himself. It's cold. It's nighttime, right? All of this is happening overnight. He's, he's surrounding, he's by a fire trying to stay warm. It says one of the servants looks at him and says, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he says, no, 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 I wasn't. And someone else goes, yeah, I think you were. In fact, you even have that same accent. And, and he said, he begins, it says he begins to actually curse himself and basically say, no, 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 I swear to you, I wasn't with Jesus, right? He's saying this. And it says in the scriptures, the Lord turned and looked at Peter and saw Peter in that moment. Can you imagine what that moment was like for Peter? Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus? It's an intense moment when your best friends are selling you out. Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, right? And he resurrects. And that's good news for most of the apostles. I'm not so sure Peter was excited about that. Honestly, can you imagine the first time Jesus appears to Peter, what Peter is thinking? Couldn't look him in the eye. I'm sure of it. And so after Jesus appears to Peter, appears to the disciples, Peter says, this is, this is why Peter does this. He says, I'm going fishing. Has that ever seemed odd to you? What Peter is saying is this, I'm going back to my old life. 
I know I don't have a place here anymore. I know I blew it. There's no way that Jesus is still invested and still interested in me. He saw me sell him out. I'm no better than Judas. And so he goes back fishing. And it's funny because, you know, he spends all night fishing and he never catches anything. Like in the whole Bible, Peter, a professional fisherman, never catches a fish without Jesus' help. I don't understand that. So he fishes all night. He doesn't catch anything. It's the normal thing. Jesus says, hey, throw the net over there. And he throws the net and there's so many fish, the boat starts sinking or whatever. And then comes into the shore and Jesus is cooking fish for breakfast for them. It says they sit down around the fire and they eat breakfast. And you realize what Jesus is doing. He's recreating the very same place that, that Peter sold him out. He's now sitting around a fire, just like he was sitting around a fire when he betrayed Jesus. And every time Jesus is in there, he's like, mmm, this fish is good. You know, all Peter's thinking is like, mmm, aha, you traitor. You know, that's what he's hearing in his mind. It's coming out of Jesus' mouth. Jesus didn't say that, but he's sitting there. He's like, oh my gosh, when's it coming? When's it coming? This is going to be so bad, right? After breakfast, Jesus, Jesus says, Peter, let's go for a walk. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? Let me bring you back to that thing that was in your heart, that thing that you shared. And Peter, at this point, he's in this place where the conflict has become between him and Jesus. And he's ashamed, right? And so he's like, no, I don't. I see that now. This conflict has now defined my relationship with you. I I don't love you more. And Jesus, Jesus refuses to see Peter that way. He says, no, 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 Peter, that's not who you are. When you said, I get that you weren't true to that, but that was what was in your heart, and that is still what's in your heart. Come on, feed my sheep. That's what I called you to. And it takes three times for Peter to actually begin to get that, probably because he sold Jesus out three times. But in the whole process, Jesus is committed to not letting Peter be defined and their relationship be defined by the conflict that they're in. It's amazing, and it's incredible to me. See, Jesus' model of conflict is, is proactive. He goes after Peter. Do you realize that? I mean, so Peter is in Jerusalem, and he says, I'm going fishing. He goes all the way from Jerusalem up to Galilee. I have no idea how far that is. I think it's, I think it's like order of 40 miles. You know, so no cars, long trip for no cars. He's fishing overnight, and Jesus is waiting for him on the shore in the morning. Right? So there's, there's no, again, Jesus is taking his own words. Don't delay, address it today. Jesus is like, no, 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 Peter, this ain't happening. We're doing this thing. And to, to do conflict in such a way where we don't divide the relationship between us, there's a few things that I see that Jesus does. The first is this His goal is to preserve the relationship and have both sides win. See, relate, conflict goes bad when we don't have wins on both sides. When the tension that we feel, we, to get out of that tension, we sell out on one side or the other. And the way we do that is we either steamroll over someone so we get what we want and they lose, or we give up. We do the Christian thing and we say, oh, I don't know, whatever, just walk all over me, that's fine. That's not the Christian thing to do. That's not what Jesus did. I never saw Jesus do that. And so Jesus is like, no, 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 hang on. I'm hanging in this relationship and we're working together until we both get a win, Peter. 
And Jesus' side isn't, okay, well, if Peter wants to leave, it's okay. I'll just kind of make it work with the other apostles. It's fine, whatever. Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. I invested three and a half years in you. I'm getting a win. You ain't walking away. You may think you're walking away. You ain't walking away. We're working this thing out. That's what he does. We're hanging in here until both sides win. And we don't settle for I win, you lose, or you win, I lose. Neither of those are kingdom way of doing relationship. Really. And sometimes, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes you have to call someone on the fact that they're willing to let themselves lose. You say, well, here's what I need. Okay, fine. No, no, no. What do you need? I don't need anything. That's not true. <laughs> this is a conflict and you have needs. And I'm not willing to let yourself sell yourself out and lose. You're more important to me than that. We both need to win here. What do you need? Sometimes you have to do that, and that's okay. And finally, don't delay, address it today. Don't wait. See, here's, here's the thing. Conflict isn't, isn't easy, but in all reality, it's honestly not that complicated. It's rather simple. Value yourself, value the other person, hang in the tension until you can work it out and be in a good place. That's, that's, that's conflict in the kingdom. What we lack is not usually know-how. What we lack is courage. We lack, we lack the courage to step in and say, I am terrified by this thing, but I'm going to move towards it anyway. I can't imagine having that conversation. It's going to freak me out but I'm going to do it anyway. That's actually what we lack, I think, a lot of times. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you, put courage in you, (laughs) to go and have that hard conversation if you need to. I think Jesus would say to us, if you're here at church this morning at worship, and you remember that you have a conflict with another church member, don't leave this morning before you've gone to your brother or sister and worked it out. And this week, I mean, maybe the person isn't here and whatever, but this week, whatever, whatever person or whatever situation that you have in your life comes to mind, you go, ah, still haven't worked out with so-and-so or that situation or whatever, send them a message, give them a phone call, whatever it is. I get that it's scary. It's always scary. It freaks me out every single time. But yet at the same time, when I step into that and I allow the Holy Spirit to meet me there, to give me the courage to do that thing, here's what I find. On the other side of it, I love the person that I just was. I look at myself and I say, the person who just did that, I can respect. I like that person. I value that person. Why? Because I'm being the person that God made me. If Jesus didn't shrink down, if Jesus didn't hide from conflict, then neither do you. He's in you. Why, why would you make the Jesus in you hide now? Let him encourage you to have that conversation that you need to have. To take the risk to do relationship the kingdom way. And to say, I'm not letting this conflict divide us. It's too important. You're a brother. You're a sister. You're a friend. You're a whatever, a parent. That's more important. Let's work this thing out. Let's get a win And I want to win not just for me, but one for you too. Jesus, I thank you that you you show us how to do conflict. 
And God, not only do you show us how to do conflict, but you empower us to do it. God, you know this stuff freaks us out. You know this stuff is scary and hard. And God, we'll try and find just about anything that we can do to avoid doing the thing that you call us to sometimes. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you would encourage us, that you would empower us, that you would give us strength, that you would give us conviction and faith, God, to step into the fire and to meet you in the fire of our conflicts, God. I bless each and every person, God, that you've even begun to brought to mind what's a conflict that they need to sort out. God, as soon as they know, I just bless them right now with your courage and your strength, with your fortitude to go forward and to address that conflict, to work it out, to get a win-win. Father, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.